Hello and welcome to the Euro Trips podcast. But this week, a different format. We're trying out a new format where each time we, we interview different fans from different clubs and do a special podcast in addition to our normal football podcast. Our first club is Newcastle United. And um, both myself and Ryan are interviewing two different Newcastle fans. Um, so Ryan will be talking to a Newcastle fan, Sam, and I will be talking to um, my good friend and someone I do a different podcast with, the Hair Dry Treatment, uh, Kieran Harm. How are you, Kieran? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. Um, first of all, thank you for coming on. It's your first time on the Very podcast, welcome. So, so welcome. It's a pleasure. Uh, I was going to ask you why you support Newcastle, but it's pretty clear from your accent why you support the club you do. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but quick question I ask this to everyone. Favourite Newcastle player of all time? I think it's pretty clear who it is. Or is there someone else a bit left field? Oh, I've got a f- I've got a few left fields. Obviously, the the, the obvious one is Shearer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do have a few like one or two left fields. Like somebody who I absolutely adored when he was here was Johan Kabai. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then before Johan Kabai, I always loved Ro- Laurent Robert. Yeah, um, yeah. So they're probably my top three, but I'll, I'll, I've, I've got to say Shira, haven't I? I've got to say Shira. So yeah. Shira. Would you not even say maybe someone like Gavin Harris or Santiago Munez? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not Gavin Harris. Santiago Munez, though. Oof. Any yeah. day, mate. What a talent, what a talent. And what's your favourite Newcastle goal of all time? Um... You're probably going to know which one I'm going to say, but oh, yeah. it was uh, the 2010-11 season when we were four down against Arsenal and we pulled it back to four-four. And Chetiote scored that scream from 30 yards out. His the only goal he ever scored for Newcastle. Well, the only one that counted. There was another one against Man City, but that's a whole different matter. Um, yeah. But yeah, the only goal he ever scored for Newcastle. It was an absolute corker. And it was right at the death, and it made it four-four, and probably, in my opinion, the greatest comeback of all time in the Premier League. Yeah, it's definitely up there, and um, what a player he was on his day. So rest in peace, Czech Tiotti. That he was a good little player. So as we need to start the podcast, we will be going through Newcastle United. Um, So so far this season, you're currently nineteenth with um, zero wins, three draws, and four losses. Uh, So you sort of had. It's not. It's not been great. I mean, um, <laughs> you see, Jordan had one-one draws with like Leeds and Watford, people like that. So yeah, with, with that in mind, is that a worry for you, Kieran? The fact that your top scorer is actually been injured for ages is that a worry for you? The lack of goals. Lack of goals is something that you're always going to get when you've got a manager who favours a defensive system. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, what annoys me about us having a defensive system is that we don't have the players to play in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does get on my nerves a little bit that we play the way we do. He just seems so... Like, I'm a Newcastle fan, and everyone knows how Newcastle fans feel about Steve Bruce. He's not our favourite. We don't want him to be the manager of the club. But he is, and he's doing a frankly awful job. At first, he was... To, uh, I, I thought I wasn't one of these who when he came in was like oh no 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 get rid of him get rid of him I hate him already I thought right we'll give him a chance we'll see how he does but I think we know how it was I think we always knew how it was going to go but you know what I mean I, I thought I'd give him a chance and 
this last this calendar year 2021 we've been awful i think it's seven wins in 35 in 37 games or something yeah. this year um we've been absolutely horrendous we seem so afraid to go forward and attack and yet the players seem so utterly confused at how to defend. We're just an absolute shambles at the back. But we have a good team. And if I, as far as I'm concerned, if you look at the team we've got, it's a top, it, it's a it's a mid-table team. It's like 11th, 12th, around about there. I would there's at least six or seven worse squads in the Premier League than ours. And yet we're consistently playing horrendous football with no there's never a backup plan. That's always one of my biggest gripes. We're, absolutely horrific to watch and I go to every Newcastle home game and just it's so so bad to watch I think the first half against West Ham in the first game of the season I was really really sort of surprised by how well we played and how well we attacked and how confident we looked and but even that game didn't last we ended up losing the game 4-2 I think and it was just tragic tragic second half performance and to be honest, we've just maintained that level of tragedy since. Yeah, and I mean, Steve Bruce did salvage the job a little bit with the end of last season. I think he won, was it five of the last eight games? I think uh, they got... A lot of five. that was, down, it was due to Graham Jones. So yeah, yeah. I will I say mean, that. Yeah, I mean, that sort of form was good, but I think he'd gone to this season just really, like he were at the start of last season, just really been a poor start, and you guys don't seem to be getting going. I mean... I always think like anyone who plays that defensively is wasting their attacking talent. I think you're seeing that with the lack of production from Almiron and some, well, Maximum's got the most goals. But then apart from that, there's not much going on attacking But that's because of how negative and how how bad this team has been set up by Steve Bruce. So it's just, I'm really surprised they were quick to get us quick to get rid of Big Sam. They were quick to get rid of um in the end Steve McLaren and I think they got rid of Pardew quite quick into a six-year contract so it surprises me that Steve Bruce has managed to last this long really because it's been it's not like it's a recent thing it's been a long time Newcastle fans have wanted him out it's been a good almost a year if not more than a year it's been sort of chanted Bruce out um and yet it just doesn't seem to be ever been sacked and I think yes he's a nice man yes he's probably good to get on with but then on the pitch as you were saying it's terrible to watch and it's not it's not like some teams, you look, look at Blackpool in the past, they went down, but they played some good football. Bournemouth were the same thing. Um, and you can you can accept that because you you try your best. When it's football or that way, it just seems to be just completely inept of any sort of, as you say, plan B or any sort of attacking attacking yeah. mindset. It, it just yeah. means, it, 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 it's, it's a neutral. You, you're, if you someone goes, you're going to watch Newcastle. Whilst I say yes because of the, the stadium and the atmosphere and the people, I'm not going there to watch a football I'm not going there to knowing I'm going to watch good football unless it's the opposition. Isn't I don't, I don't find any. I don't think I've seen any Newcastle game that I've looked. Oh, they, they were good today. The last I probably watched. I don't watch in week we have like you do. But whenever I watch Newcastle these last eight months, I don't think I've seen them once play well apart from maybe against Everton at Goodison Park. That's it. I I, I very rarely see Newcastle play well, and it's just it's just bad football, isn't it? Really. Yeah, it's. <laughs> Like I say, there's a systematic, there's a systemic problem um, in the way that we set up. We we play this horrendously negative five three two formation in most games that we go into now. It's the it's the formation that Bruce has been trying to implement the whole time he's been here. For a, a while after we brought in Graham Jones last season, we switched to the four one two one two that he'd been using in his time as Luton manager. 
and it worked. And that's the game. That's um, our first game using that was that game that you mentioned that we won. Um, and we used that for a while, and that's why we had that good end of the season that we had, which ultimately kept us up. That and the goals of uh, Joe Willock. But you you mentioned about Bruce and why he's lasted as long as he has, and I think it's a, a lot of it's to do with the fact that it's just a some Mike Ashley's not really making any decisions at the club at the minute. He's just letting it stay where it is in the hopes that he's not going to be the owner for very much longer. Um, and he's just letting things just rumble along in the sort of same fashion that they have been. He's not bothered about us challenging for the top 10. He never really has been, to be fair. He's not bothered about challenging for Europe. He's not bothered about bringing players in. As long as we've got a team and a manager that he thinks can keep us in the Premier League until this takeover goes through, he seems to be content with that. But my confusion, the confusion of Newcastle fans this season, is that the lack of investment, the, and most importantly, the manager, are posing a threat to that Premier League status, which, if that goes, then realistically, unless it's completed fairly soon, which, as has been reported in the news today, very well could be, if we do end up getting relegated before takeover has happened, that takeover disappears. It I mean, certainly becomes a lot, lot tougher. I mean, that is a fantastic segue into my next point, is that news today coming out of many different media sources is that a Newcastle takeover is it could be imminent as the um, uh, Saudi Arabia lifts ban on being sports. So I think there's also there's talk, was it a year or two ago now, there was talk of um, firstly Amanda Stavey, but also this, this Saudi company and and um, and yeah, it just seems to be. And now it's obviously got a lot of people like you, probably yourself, and met, like True Jordy, many Newcastle fans were really excited about this move, and it never happened. So I can imagine you're probably like a lot of fans hesitant to get too excited after what happened last time. But is there a part of you that that's getting excited over it? Is there a part of you that's thinking that he's finally going to leave, Mike Ashley? Uh, I am very, very, very much getting myself in a bit a bit excited <laughs> it's just because of the way this has happened today um obviously i don't know how much you've been keeping up or how much your listeners have been keeping up with the whole takeover saga but it is it never went away it's been rumbling on for the last what, best part of three years really but mostly since it was agreed last year since the deal was actually agreed it's been rumbling on um and we've been embroiled in a Lost over the last uh, few months. This month, particularly, it kicked it all kicked off. But obviously, the news today that um, the the biggest hurdle has always been the state, basically the alleged state piracy in Saudi Arabia of being sports, which has led to a, a massive rift. One of one of many things that's led to a massive rift between Qatar and Saudi Arabia, um, being sports being the state broadcaster for Qatar. Uh, Qatar. And it's one of many things that's led to a massive rift between those two countries. But that rift has since been healed. And this week, basically today, that's what the big news was, like you said before, is that 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 takeover, that whole piracy issue has been resolved and piracy is no longer an issue. Then um, the reason why that was an issue for the takeover is because being sports, as I'm sure everyone who's ever watched an illegal stream is aware, being sports are a massive broadcasting partner 
of the Premier League, and the Premier League were never going to let, were never going to allow a takeover to go through from the the Saudi-backed public investment fund um, if they believed that the Saudi that the Saudi state were involved in the PIF, which they of course are, but they in this takeover have claimed that they aren't, and that's what this whole arbitration is about: is about proving the separation between the Saudi state and the public investment fund, because the Premier League wouldn't accept the takeover on the basis that if the Saudi state were involved in the public investment fund, then the Saudi state would be owning the club, and the Saudi state have been committing piracy against one of their biggest broadcasting partners. That's been the issue. And now that big, massive red flag, that big, massive stumbling block of the piracy issue has today just been completely wiped out, which is why there is now basically nothing standing in the way of this takeover happening. And a lot of different newspaper reporters, Martin Ziegler of The Times um, and many others, Matt Lawton as well of The Times, Craig Hope, George Corkin of The Athletic have all reported that we're now in the final dying embers of Mike Ashley's time as Newcastle United owner. And to be honest, if this does come off, and I'm obviously cautiously optimistic as I have been throughout this whole thing because I've had my hopes built up and then smashed into smithereens on numerous occasions with regards to this whole situation. I'm still cautiously optimistic, but this feels the closest we've ever been to a takeover happening and I tell you now if that takeover happens it will be the biggest thing to happen in the history of northeast football by a long 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 way because we would immediately become one of the highest one of the richest clubs around we would immediately become one of the most powerful clubs around we would immediately become a more attractive basically offering we would immediately be able to Fill that ground. St James's Park has died in recent years. I love going to St James's Park. I have a season ticket. It's one of my favourite things to do. But the stadium has been dying slowly, slowly over the last few years. The atmosphere isn't what it used to be because the fan, the life has been sucked out of the fans over the last fourteen years. As we, when as we've been known by actually, they sucked the life out of us. We just find it so hard to support the team now. We find it so hard to get our hopes up. We find it so hard to find anything to look forward to now with regards to Newcastle United. And if that takeover goes through, that stadium will be rocking. I'm telling you now, you will never, ever, ever have heard an atmosphere like it. There will be queues around the city to get into that ground. And everyone who's in it will experience an atmosphere that we haven't perhaps had for the best part of 15 years um, I feel like it will return St James's Park and Newcastle to its glory days and it has every chance. This takeover has every chance to make my club a massive, massive player in the Premier League and possibly even further going forward. Obviously, it's a slow process. We can't expect to see signers like Kylian Mbappe straight away. That's not <laughs> going to happen. Probably ever, to be fair, players like that. You know what I mean? That's not, that's never going to happen. We need to be patient. And if it does go ahead, we need to just just watch what, what, what we expect of the club. We can't start immediately expecting European football and stuff. You know what I mean? So, um, But yeah, I'm getting a bit of ahead myself there as well so yeah I think at the moment the line is cautiously optimistic but the optimistic part of that the optimism is greater than it 
ever has been that this takeover will go through in hopefully the coming days, weeks, months, um, and Newcastle will be returned to its glory days. That's the hope of every Newcastle fan on planet Earth right now, this this very evening. Yeah, and I think Newcastle is a club that absolutely deserves everything it gets if if it gets if it goes through because I think a lot of people will say Newcastle is their second team or team they have a soft spot for, like myself. Um, Newcastle is, for me, the best night out I had in the UK. I don't think there's a better night out in the whole of the country than Newcastle. It's an amazing city, Funny. amazing people, uh, amazing stadium, which has been sort of direct of talent the last few years. Um, we look at the day days of the 90s, all the stuff, like, almost winning the league against Man U, the 4-3 at Anfield. You look at the twice being relegated. You've been through so much these last few years. I think no one deserves this sort of, if it ever goes through, no one deserves this sort of Man City-style takeover than you guys do. And I wish, if there's any club I want to win the league, if it's not Liverpool, it's always Newcastle or Tottenham. So, um, yeah. I <laughs> Ruined it at the end there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Arsenal fans who are listening. Um, but yeah, I, I think personally, I think a lot of people would, would love to see that happen. Um, I mean, a lot of people liked when City got take, taken over, but I think this is a whole new level because people love Newcastle. And it's one of those rare cities where, it's just one football team in the city. There's not two teams or three teams. There's purely one team in Newcastle, and that's it. And the whole city just, just all they do is care about Newcastle. That anyone you meet in Newcastle, all they can talk about is the game on Saturday or Sunday. So hopefully, there's good food. Hopefully, that that idiot is out of football um, once and for all. Um, but a final, my final point before we do end this podcast with you, with you, Kieran, is I'm just going to get. I'll do this to every fan. I'd like to get from you your your starting eleven. Um, you can choose the formation you want of players you've seen in your lifetime, past or present. In my lifetime, um, yeah. So you can't have people right. like um, I can't think of players in the eighties now or seventies, but anyone who's you've seen play in Newcastle since you've been alive, basically. Okay, so we're talking since nineteen ninety eight. Then I can look at all right. Yeah. All right, so in goal, Shea Given. Yeah. That's an easy one. Yeah, that's given. Um, <laughs> that's a given. <laughs> <laughs> right back, I loved Matthew Dubushi. So I'm going to go for really? Matthew Dubushi. Yes. I adored Matthew Dubushi at right back, so I'm going to go for Matthew Dubushi. <laughs> centre halves, um, cent- the main centre half. And your skipper is without any shadow of doubt Fabrizio Caraccini. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolute stalwart and leader and captain of Newcastle United for a long, long time. Um, who else would I have alongside him? We'd have it looking back in the early noughties, our defence was always shocking. Um, so I think it's probably going to have to come more recently. And I've always loved him. And he does, he, he's perhaps not the greatest defender we've ever had. But he is a leader and he is an organiser and he has been our captain for five years now. So I will say Jamal Lascelles and Colachini at the back. I, I I do like those two. Um, those, like you say, two absolute leaders, two brick, it could be a brick wall at the back of that, but calamitous on its day, but it wouldn't be a Newcastle defence if it wasn't. Um, <laughs> so you wouldn't go for people like Titus Bramble or Mike Williamson or anyone like that? <laughs> do you know what it is? No. Uh, I've met Mike Williamson on a few occasions. He's the manager of uh, 
yeah, he's the manager of Gated Football Club now, and oh. um, the, and the football academy that I work for works in close partnership with Gated quite often. Yeah. Um, so I have met Mike a few times, and he's a great guy, lovely man, and he was a top footballer for us. To be fair, he did, he, did, he had he took him a while to settle in, but once he did, he was he was always he was always a solid performer. But now, um, so left back, Olivier Bernard is the mm. answer there. I loved Olivier Bernard. Is, what uh, kind of formation do you want from me, by the way? Are you? It, are, are, is it up to my? Up to yeah, me? it's entirely your choice. It's entirely your choice. All right then. I've always been a fan of the four four two. Old school four four two. So and I always think any dream team should be a four four two formation. So I'll just go straight: two wingers, two central mids, and two strikers. I'll go right mid, right mid. It's a toss-up between Alberto Solano mm. and Hatem Ben Arfa. Oh, that has some good choices. I loved both of those players. Hatem Ben Arfa, just be just purely based off the fact that I saw more of Hatem Ben Arfa because I had, I had a season ticket while the whole time he played for us, I had a season ticket. I watched his career in Newcastle. I remember, and I was there for that ridiculous goal he scored against Bolton where he ran through the whole pitch. Mm. Um, I was there for the amazing goal against Fulham that just ripped the net off. I was there for the one against Villa. I will go for Hatem Ben Arfa because he has provided me with some absolutely elite memories at uh, the time he was in Newcastle. So Hatem Ben Arfa is the right wing. Left wing, is um, Laurent Robert speaks for yeah. itself? Absolute god of a man, loved them to bits. Will always love him. Central midfield, and I'm not taking tactics into consideration here, <laughs> but it's Johan Kabai. Yeah, because I love I love Johan Kabai, and yeah, alongside him, alongside Johan Kabai, there can only be one, and that is Mr. Gary Speed. God rest his soul. Yeah, yeah. Gary Speed was an absolute legend, is an absolute legend, will always be remembered on Tyneside as one of our greats. I loved him bits. And he will adorn the centre of the park with Johan Kabai. And then my strikers are Alan Shearer, of course. And then alongside him, I am going to go for one of the elite partnership that everybody remembers. You see it every day on social media. The streets will never forget. Um, the Bar and CC partnership, I'm going to go for one of them. And I'm actually going to go for Demba Bar because mm-hmm. on his day, he was unplayable. And yeah. Pat Vecisi was here for four years, I think. Um, and that first six months, he was electric, but he never really managed to recapture that kind of form. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go for Demba Bar because he was always dependable. You could always look to him for a goal. And I thought I think he was just a flat, just a flat out, superstar up front he was a brilliant brilliant player and then I'm going to pick a manager as well just because I yeah. can't not manager for the team is Sir Bobby Robson because he is and always will be my footballing idol so there you have it that's my 1-11 to for Newcastle fantastic so Kieran's team is in goal Shea Given the uh, right back is um, uh, Debussy so yeah, Debussy, yeah. Centre-back is Colicini and Jamal Lascelles with left-back Olivier Bernard. The formation is 4-4-2 to right midfield is um, Hassan Ben Arthur. Left midfield is Lauren Robert with the centre-mids of Gary Speed and um, Yoel Goodbye. And up front is Denver Barr 
alongside Alan Shearer with Bobby Robson leading the way. Uh, and just want to say before we go, um, you mentioned Gary Speed, rest in peace, first of all. Um, we all praised for Chris Coleman during the Wales Euros, but um, this wouldn't, we wouldn't have got to the Euros, got to the semis and got to the Euros four years later if it wasn't for you, Gary Speed. So um, if, you, if you're listening up there in heaven, um, then I thank you a lot. Um, but yeah, that does conclude our first, yeah, yeah. our first club special podcast um, and of Newcastle. And this has been Kieran, so thank you for coming on uh, once again. My pleasure. And um, would, you, would you like to plug yourself on Twitter for you? Uh, sure. Actually, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll plug the Hairdryer Treatment Podcast Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at hairdry underscore pod for updates of the greatest podcast in all of the world. Sorry, Andy. It's fine. I say that they're joint with this one, so um, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're actually just above, just above. Mm, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah, we're actually going to be recording this <laughs> just after this podcast, so um, yeah, do check it out um, when you get the chance on both Apple Podcast, Apple um, Podcast, and Spotify. So yeah, thank you for being on once Please. again, and we'll see you next time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Euro Trips podcast. This is part two of the club profile, a new series brought to you all every week, focusing on one club throughout Europe. And for our first episode, we're talking Newcastle United. As you've probably already heard, Andy's spoken to Newcastle fan Kieran for part one. For part two, I'm joined by Sam Mullineer. Um, How are you, mate? Good, good. Glad to see I'm the headline act being in part two. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Um, anyone who doesn't know Sam, he is the presenter uh, for Newcastle Fan TV, um, as well as any other things I would imagine. Stuff, um, general stuff. That's it, yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to ask uh, Sam similar questions to what probably Andy's asked Kieran, but obviously it's good to get it from a different per, you know, perspective. Not every fan has the same opinion. So, and with today's. Um, updates with the possible takeover from the um, Saudi Arabian government or whoever's behind it. You know, we've picked, we've picked a good timing, mate. So we'll crack on anyway and uh, see what, how much we can get through. But basically, I'm going to go straight in. Question one regarding, obviously, Mike Ashley and this potential takeover. I'll get your thoughts first on Mike Ashley. I think Ninety percent of Newcastle fans that I've spoken to throughout the years all sort of have the general consensus that they don't like Mike Ashley. Ninety uh, percent is pretty low for something like that. I was going to say I think it's probably a hundred percent now. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's no secret. You know, he's very um, disliked at the club. He, you know, he sounded like he's tried to sell the club or. You know, if he has actually tried to sell it over the years, um, from an outside view, for me, it seems as though the main sort of sticking point down the years is he's just always asking for too much money. Is is that the sort of right, you know, way of thinking, or do you think there's other reasons behind it? Um, for a sale, maybe at some point he's asked for too much money. Um, it looks as though, um, I mean, I don't want to. You know, this is all very much touch wood because 
we were here 18 months ago thinking we were in the end game and we were going to have new owners and it, it never happened but it looks like we're in the final few days and and whatever of, of Mike Ashley's um, tenureship at Newcastle but the guy isn't isn't a football man he, he shouldn't be anywhere I wouldn't wish him on any club at all um, it's just whether or not he's he's been trying to sell the club for so long he's just peddled his his sports direct which is just so tatty and it looks cheap and it looks che- it's cheap in the stadium St James's Park is such a proud structure um, the old adage of the cathedral on the hill and it's just let it's been let to to be run down a little bit because of his lack of investment and this lack of investment isn't just with the playing squad it's around everything um everything surrounding the football club the training ground hasn't been redeveloped properly since the the days of sir bobby robson which is you know 20 years ago and we're getting left behind by not just where we once were before before mike ashley came in which was playing in europe every season um we're now our facilities are getting left behind by the likes of Bournemouth who were in the championship and have a 10,000 seat stadium. So it's, um, it's good riddance and hopefully um, in the next few days or weeks or whatever, he can finally um, clear off. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it seems to have really sort of just come back out of nowhere really, because I haven't seen any sort of signs of the takeover being, brought back to life over the past few weeks now it seems as though it's mainly been like the last 24 hours where things have sort of gathered pace a bit and it seems things are starting to roll now I think a big sticking point was between Saudi Arabia and Qatar um, something to do with BN Sports I'm not 100% sure on the situation but it seems that's now been resolved yeah and you know obviously Saudi Arabia you know one of the richest countries in the world and you, you you can only imagine the kind of wealth that they're going to bring to the club if indeed they do take over. And as you say, it's not just the playing squad that needs to be, you know, rejuvenated. You know, it's the facilities as well because, you know, St James. Although I'm not a Newcastle fan, St James's Park is one of the best stadiums, not just in England but in Europe, in my, you know, point of view. Um, mm. You know, I, I like Newcastle as, as a club. I like the fan base. I think it's one of the most passionate fan bases um, in the Premier League, definitely. And they are one of the biggest clubs in England, without a shadow of a doubt. So to see where they've been, uh, especially under Mike Ashley, you know, it, it, it has been sad to see. So hopefully, you know, for for every Newcastle supporter, um, you know, these next few weeks are his last as owner. Um, if the takeover in, does in fact uh, go ahead, what would you like to sort of see implemented first um, over the sort of first few weeks and months? I mean, it, it's difficult because the thing is, like, the, obviously the big headline is is how rich in theory we're going to be. But w- what you have to kind of understand is it's it's not about that. It's it's great and it's lovely and fantastic and whatnot, but. This is the relief, and and it, it's all about getting rid of Mike Ashley and just having the club to kind of love you back, as it were, like back in the days of, of Kevin Keegan and Sir John Hall. And the club loved you back. There was a, a proper relationship there between the fan base and the club, which has 
just absolutely completely shattered and dissolved under under Ashley with the supporters and the fan base are treated with such utter contempt the club want nothing to do with um people like us um from Newcastle fans TV they want nothing to do with us um which held in utter contempt and and the fact is that relationships need to be repaired and obviously if if it goes through before January, then the playing squad can't be improved, but the manager certainly can. Um, and I think there are there are a lot of short-term easy wins for a new ownership that would get the fan base on side so quickly. Um, it's not just the fans that were treated with utter contempt by Mike Ashley, it's club legends as well. Alan Shearer, Kevin Keegan, they wouldn't have... Ashley wouldn't have the statue of Alan Shearer on Newcastle United property. The, the, the statue of Shearer is off the land. of It, it was the council's doing, not the club, um, which is disgusting. Um, he's, he's, he's the greatest striker in Premier League history and, and the greatest striker in Newcastle history and treated with such utter contempt. And then you go back even further with the likes of Malcolm McDonald, not really welcome at the club, but you know, does it because he has ties with the Chronicle and whatnot. And and Kevin Keegan won't go back there. Um, so I think Kevin Keegan in, in an ambassador role, something like that. I'd love to see someone like Les Ferdinand come back as director of football. Obviously, he's QPR at the moment, doing that job. Um, I've been fortunate enough to to interview Les a couple of times for Newcastle Fans TV, and he's just the best bloke in the world. Um, and to have him. Uh, as so someone like Les as director of football would be such an easy win um, and it's about reconnecting That that's all it is it's about reconnecting and um, facilities the youth academy need desperate urgent care and just getting back to being an actual proper football club not just a Mickey Mouse soap opera which is what we've become over the past 10-15 years yeah that's it again like I always used to compare it to the to the situation um, I mean, I'm an Arsenal supporter anyway, but with Man United and Arsenal, both clubs have got owners that are very well disliked by the fan bases. I think more so Arsenal in, in recent seasons. You know, we've wanted the Cronkays for a very long time. Yeah, and I get that. I completely get why. But at least your team's still getting investment. And oh. like. Man, Man United is still getting investment. I mean, the Glazers' out chance all but disappeared these days, hasn't it? Yeah. And they were invading pitches twelve months ago. So, yeah. But so whilst I I completely understand, um, especially with Arsenal, maybe not so much with Man United, but um, I completely understand where the frustration with the owner lies. But you got what you have to understand is Mike Ashley is a completely different level. <laughs> yeah. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you know. Us Arsenal fans are a privileged bunch, I, I, I always think. And the thing is with us, I mean, we see uh, Kronke, again, as someone who, he's not a football man. You know, he, his, his thing is American sports. Arsenal was a business for him. I mean, you know, he's admitted that himself. And although we've seen a bit more investment over the last year or two into the playing squad and perhaps into the facilities as well. Again, it's not on the same same level. That's, that's you know, I used to compare it to that until I'd done a bit more digging and, you know, really looked at 
sort of Mike Ashley situation at Newcastle and then you sort of get a broader perspective of how bad you know things have been and you know how bad how bad you know things could have got as well because I mean things aren't you know looking rosy this season either if you know things don't happen quickly you know you could very well see see the club you know going down which would be a trap. Yeah. Which which is why we need to change a manager because whilst I I do have sympathy with Steve Bruce in various aspects because he hasn't been backed he put all of his eggs in the Joe Willock basket which was brilliant for us I don't know what your feelings are about um, the the sale of Willock to to Newcastle but when you know we're not even when when Ashley's not even prepared to get two more loan players in mm. uh, but but. That's by the by. What is actually happening on the pitch now is just Steve Bruce's dinosaur. Well, they're not even tactics. Um, I think the game's passed him by now, I think. Um, and we need fresh impetus because a new manager would come in and just think, well, why are you playing like that? I mean, you sign Ryan Fraser, who's one of the best wingers out of the top six, and then play him centre mid, and then he's not getting a game at all now. It's utterly bizarre. And then you, you've got Isaac Hayden, another one of your youth academy, um, who's a fantastic player, um, fantastic defensive mid. Uh, Wolves on Saturday when I was there, he started in the number 10 and then went to centre-back when we went 1-0 down. It was, um, yeah, it's just a, a fresh approach is needed from from top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, um, Steve Steve Bruce will be my next, um, next question slash area that we will look to delve into i mean just going back on to joe willett quickly i mean i think most arsenal fans especially the ones i know and follow we weren't too bothered when when he was sold we knew that we had other targets obviously martin odegaard we knew we needed to sort of sell some players to get him in so i myself wasn't you know, too unhappy with us selling him because I, I believe we got a good fee for him. Obviously, he had a, he had a you know very very good loan spell, but I was confused to be honest why Newcastle paid as much as they did for him because you know uh, the amount that they paid they could have got probably two or three half decent players in in other mm-hmm. areas where they desperately need it, and as you say they've thrown it all in one basket and you know he might you know score some goals this season he might get a few more assists but you still need the players around him as well to you know to oh, finish yeah. chances and to assist him as well and you know we'll, we'll go on to the current players um a little bit later but going on to steve bruce again from from just looking on on twitter you know i, I can't see any support anywhere for steve bruce and as you say he hasn't been necessarily backed in the transfer windows and whatnot but they still have talented players there and yeah. as you say his, his tactics don't really make a lot of sense I mean it never made a lot of sense anyway why why the club brought him in in the first place because you know if I'm not mistaken you know, he's he's managed Sunderland yeah right you know um he, he never sort of stood out to me as someone they want to bring in when there are definitely better managers out there. Managers who, even if even if they they play the right way and they're not necessarily getting the results straight away, I feel like the Newcastle fan base especially would be 
one that would still get behind that manager if they were seeing progressive good football at least. You know? Yeah, and, and to, to, to a degree, there's been glimpses of yeah. that. Um, I mean, what was staggering is, and why we were all so surprised that um, it was Steve Bruce, was the fact that Mike Ashley's never gone out and got a manager from another club. He's always got them like ones that were out of work. So to go and actually pay Sheffield Wednesday compensation to get Steve Bruce was just utterly bizarre. Um, that didn't make much sense. I mean, there wasn't a vast amount of options there. I mean, when you lose someone like Rafa Benitez, who's like, who's like a Primark Marnie suit, and then you bring in a Primark onesie like Steve Bruce, it's 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 always going to incur a bit of criticism. But I was quite open minded to the fact that whoever was going to come in had a tough job on their hands replacing Rafa Benitez, who who got who got it. You know who got the area, who got the fan base, who who understood what it was, because Newcastle is a bit different from everywhere else. Um, th- there was glimpses. I mean, that when for, when Steve Bruce first came in, the signings of Joe Linton and Alan Saint Maximin, they weren't his signings. They were going to happen anyway. Um, so obviously, one's worked out brilliantly. One just hasn't. Um, and then he kind of got away with it in his first season, picked up some scrappy 1-0 wins just by playing the same tactics as Rafa did the season previous. Um, the problem is he still doesn't know his strongest team. He still doesn't know his strongest formation. I mean, like I said earlier, a new manager would come in and say, why well, are you playing like this? A new manager would come in and say, right, 4-2-3-1, brilliant, easy with the players we've got. But he just continues to play players out of position didn't identify the fact that well, I mean if he did he did identify it then it, the club didn't bring anyone in but he said in a radio interview we didn't need a backup striker for Callum Wilson but we so do because he can't stay fit and there's no real genuine alternative to Callum Wilson in that squad I'm alright we're playing St Maximin up front now but he's not a number nine, he's not a striker I was I was at the Wolves game at the weekend where we lost two one where we you know the game was there for the taking, and he's wanting to come left he's wanting to come right he wants to get involved in the play and then there's no one up top, um, and then you're having to rely on Dwight Gale who's a, a championship striker at best mm. to 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 try and grab your goal in the last ten minutes it's ugh, it's just you're banging your head against a brick wall watching us this season. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean. Just just going off that, would you say pretty much the whole of the Newcastle fan base wants him out? Uh, yeah. Uh, in fact, a survey was done earlier this week by the Supporters Trust, um, and it was the back page of the Mirror today um, that I think it was 95% of, of whoever voted didn't want Steve Bruce in charge anymore. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, that says it all, really. Um I mean, moving on now to the to the squad and the current players. Again, looking on from the outside, you look at some of the names that the club do have at the, you know, there right now. Alan Sam uh, Alan Sam Maximin, without a doubt, the standout player. Yeah. Then you've got obviously Miguel Almiron, um, Isaac Hayden, as you say. Um, you know, there's. There's a there's a good squad there. I think I've mm. I kind of look at it and think they've got 
sort of the building blocks in place to have a very good 11 and then have a half decent squad you know even off the get-go you'd only probably need one or two transfer windows to to really good you know get a good 11 probably capable of a top 10 finish yeah um, and that's all we we want that as a fan base that's all we wanted really was just to try and be in the mix for a top 10 finish that's all because obviously sometimes in the media we get we get unfairly attacked saying we want with you know we want to challenge for the league and want champions league which is just utter utter brown stuff i mean we don't we don't want that at all we just want a, cl- a team that tries and a, and a club to love you back really but yeah you're right in in alan to maximum he's just an absolute joy to watch um again he's he's, he's not whilst he's playing in the stri- in the striker's role he's not being properly utilized but when he's been playing behind a striker then he's he's when he's got more kind of free reign to to do what he wants he's an absolute joy to watch and he will get you off your seat every time um he he'll he'll end up at you know one of the the top teams in Europe in in time when he just because obviously he still needs to add more assists and more goals and improve that consistency in his game and then then he'll be one in one of the top clubs in in Europe I've no doubt about that that's it I mean I always even when he was at Nice, you know, there always used to be comparisons between him and Aubameyang, um, not just because of their playing styles, but also because of perhaps their attitudes as well. You know, there weren't, there were quite a few negative headlines around him and then he's come into Newcastle and as far as I can tell, he's loved by probably every Newcastle fan. And when you do watch him, you know, I, for, for me, he is probably the most exciting player in the, Premier League to watch just because of how he moves, how he attacks the ball, how he runs at players. You don't really see that too often from too many other players. Maybe um, obviously, you know, Mo Salah and Raheem Sterling, you know, these kind of players. Mm. As you say, if again, the crowd off their feet, you know, and really putting on a show, he is an unreal talent. And as you say, hopefully for Newcastle, you know, if all this does happen and they start improving the squad, you know, they can perhaps tie him down to a long-term contract and they can... Well, he's he, he's on one. Um, he, this time last year, he signed a new six-year deal. So he's on, a, he's on a long-term contract. But, I mean, you know, as well as I do, they're just pieces of paper, essentially. If someone wants to come in and pay for him, then then they will and he'll be off. So yeah. I think this takeover and, and having a bit of ambition within the club again is the only thing that's going to keep him at... Uh, at St James's because um, I can imagine he's very frustrated at the moment with how we're playing. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, another one you know that I wanted to touch on as well was Miguel Almiron because again he came in with a with a, with a big kind of reputation. Um, I believe he came in from the states. Yeah. Bacon and even when you watch him play, for me it, it always looks like he's being out you know out of position. Yeah. It doesn't look like he's ever, you know, in his natural position where he can fully express himself kind of thing. Um, because there is a talent there, you know, and we just, we haven't seen quite enough of it. And is that the consensus from from you and, and the Newcastle fans as well? 100%. 100%. We don't see enough consistency from Miggy. He can be electric one game and the next two games he's invisible. Um He'll always work and will always put in a shift, but 
like you say, he is he is one of the players that Steve Bruce has, has consistently mismanaged. Um, we were told all along he was a number 10 when he first came in and he was playing up with Perez and Rondon in the 10. It looked it, it looked exciting. Um, and obviously Perez and Rondon left. Um, and then he was being played on the right wing, left wing, and now he's in centre midfield. Um, so it, it, it's difficult for him. Um, but consistency is a is a big thing with him. He's he's not as good as Saint Maximin. Um, he needs to create more chances, but can he do that from centre midfield? He he could do a bit more definitely, but you know when you keep being played out of position, it's not going to be easy for you, is it? No, I mean just from watching a few highlights and whatnot and whatnot of him, he he reminds me a lot of, not in the sense of his work rate, but a lot of Mesut Ozil in the fact that if he's played on the right, on the left, or deeper in, into midfield, he doesn't affect the game whatsoever. But if he is played in his natural position where he can sort of roam a little bit and, you know, get the ball forward a bit, you know, you do see the best of him. Um, and again, someone who you don't always see a 10 out of 10 from every single game. He sometimes does go missing. Yeah. Well, this is why I say, like, that, like I've been saying ever since I joined Newcastle Fans TV, like, two years ago, that I wanted 4-2-3-1, and that's kind of rippled through yeah. the fan base now. Nothing to do with just because I've said it, I assure you. But, I mean, it, it would just make so much sense with the players we've got because you know, four, two, three, one, you're three behind Callum Wilson, could be ASM on the right, Almiron in the 10, and then Ryan Fraser on the left. I mean, with Callum Wilson up front, that's a good front four. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, Ryan Fraser, again, is, I mean, he was, he he was linked to us, to Arsenal, yeah. um, you know, prior to him uh, leaving Bournemouth. And I, I, I thought at the time it was a, it was a great signing for Newcastle to get him in, especially on from, a free. Yeah. And, Again, you just we just you have, it's, like, it's like he's just not even there. You haven't seen anything of him. Nope. And it's, it's it is bizarre that you can get that. But again, like you say, they're not blessed with options either. I mean, apart from Fraser and Saint Maximin, you know, you've got um, Murphy as well. But I can't think of any other wingers from. Well, you say Murphy's a winger, but he's been playing right wing back. Bruce has put him as right wing back, so he's. I mean, I don't know if the. I mean, it, it's funny because because where I live near Norwich, obviously, when they both played for for Norwich, obviously where I work, a lot of the people do support them, and you know, he's some. Oh, you know, I've met him as well personally, and it's it's a strange one because I don't know if he's rated or not. By, by Newcastle supporters. Um, so originally he wasn't, and then because um, he was bought by Rafa for twelve million, and he had a bit of a naff time of it in his first full season. Um, he then got shipped out on loan um, a couple of times uh, to uh, Sheffield Wednesday, West Brom. Came back at the start of last season, and he looked rejuvenated. Mm. And he, he did ever so well in pre-season. He did, he did well off the bench a few times. Um, scored a late free kick against Wolves to pick up a draw um, last season as well. And he, he really looked like he was starting to come on. 
And then he kind of got converted because Steve Bruce persisted with playing five at the back, even you know when you're away at Brentford in the quarterfinal of the Carling uh, Carling Cup. Show me age, Carabao Cup. Um, and the thing is, as well, he's, he's boiled Newcastle fan, which always helps. Um, again, he's another one that's being played out of position and and searching for a little bit of consistency. Um, he's probably not overly popular over the past couple of weeks because he missed an absolute glorious chance in the last second at Watford um, last weekend. But um, I will say this, with Jacob Murphy, he knows what it is to be a Newcastle fan because after the defeat at Wolves on Saturday, he was the only per- he was the only player to come over to the away fans. Yeah, see, I think, again, that's a... I don't know if players quite understand how big that can be, especially after a, a defeat. And again, I mean... As an Arsenal fan, we've witnessed that many a times over the last few years. And although I don't go home and away as often as I'd like to, when 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 you hear stories about you know how the game is finished and only one or two players come over, the rest all you know walk down the tunnel. It's you know it's, it's, I find it highly disrespectful. And again, only the players who genuinely know. What it means to play for any sort of big club, really, in the Premier League, any you know anywhere. But it's, it's it's good to know, obviously, that that is his attitude, and at least he's got somewhere to build upon. I think so. Yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully, under a, perhaps a new manager, we can see him play where he should be playing further up the field, and and can help the team without a doubt. Um, just um, before we finish up, I want to ask you again about the season. Obviously, it's hard to say at the moment where it could finish because we don't know what's going to happen in the next few weeks. But if if nothing does happen and Mark Ashley is still in charge and Steve Bruce is still there, um, going down. You, you, you 100% think you're going down? Yep. Yeah, would you say that's the general attitude? Yep. Yeah. yeah, unless unless Bruce goes, because Ashley always has a tendency to leave it too late um, because he doesn't want to pay compensation money out. Um, and Bruce ain't going to walk because he wants his payoff, even though he claims to be a Boyard fan and wants the best for the club. If he wanted the best for the club, he would have walked by now. Um, yeah, um, Bruce needs to go as soon as possible, unfortunately. Um, mm. If he stays... Past, like I mean, I just think back to like leaving it way too late from Steve McLaren, Um, and that wasn't until March that he eventually got the sack, which was about six months too late. It could be the same again. Um, It's 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 tricky. I mean, if you offered me seventeenth now with the way it is, I'd 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 probably snap your hand off for it Um, because we've had. We've only had really one one tricky game, which was Man United away on paper. The rest are all kind of seen as winnable games and we haven't won one of them. So, yeah, it, it, it's very, very concerning and I think we will go down unless something changes. Yeah, and just I mean, finally, if, if, if he does end up going, obviously depending on the ownership sh- uh, situation, is there a a name sort of 
most of the fans would love to see come in. <laughs> again, it depends on the level of ambition shown yeah. by, by the new owners. But I mean, there must be some some names being thrown around out there who the club would or who the fans would love to have in. Uh, it, it's a tricky one. So let's assume the the takeover isn't happening. Um, so the names that are linked to it, I think the top three in the betting were obviously Graham Jones, who's assistant there at the moment, um, Eddie Howe and Chris Wilder. Um, See, I think, I mean, all, again, I mean, so, uh, sorry to interrupt you, mate. I mean, again, I think Eddie Howe and um, Steve Wilder um, would both be, or Chris Wilder, sorry, um, they would both be massive improvements on Steve Bruce. I mean, they're both coming in after having a relegation in their previous job. Oh, without oh, without a doubt. But I mean, maybe not Chris Wilder as such. He had one sort of standout season. But I think Eddie Howe is is criminally underrated in the job that he done with Bournemouth. And I think yeah, he probably he probably left it too late to leave Bournemouth. So he yeah. could have left earlier when his stock was higher, and then he could have got he could have got a job like Arsenal. You know, oh, yeah. Um, the only time he's left Bournemouth, we had a stint at Burnley, didn't he? And he didn't do very well at all. No. Um, I don't know. It's a risk whoever you take, given the position we're in. Yeah. Um, I mean, Frank Lampard's out of a job as well still, but I don't particularly rate him as a manager. Um. I thought the perfect job for him actually was the England under twenty ones job, but they went with Lee Carsley instead, didn't they? But uh, it, it, it's a tricky one. My personal preference, uh, I, I honestly don't know. And this, this is this is the this is the thing. You scratch your head because whilst it's still a good job to have on paper, the Newcastle job. Every manager that's worked under these conditions, under Mike Ashley, of there's just a completely ever decreasing circle of repetitiveness. Yeah. So you're not going to get supported. You're not going to get. There's not. It, it's a. It's a tough job. It's tough working conditions on, under that owner. So I mean, obviously, if there is a takeover to be had, then God knows. I mean, you could be looking at silly names like Allegri or Favre or God knows what, but. That's it because look again if if the takeover does indeed happen, it's one of one of the sort of best jobs on paper for any manager out there because they're they're going into um you know a team that's gone through all of this and it would you know be flipped on its head, it would be an exciting job to go into. They could rebuild, you know, the squad into their own image pretty much. Yeah, yeah. They'd have a lot, a lot of money to spend, um, you know. Yeah, because whilst there is financial fair play, you've got to remember Newcastle have spent next to nothing over the past few years. And and Rafa Benitez made a profit in every single transfer window. He was there. Which is, that's just, that's utterly madness. I mean, mm. it's it's a shame that he's at Everton, to be honest, because he would have been the man to to get back at the club really um, yeah I mean, but you know he can't wait around forever he waited nearly 18 months didn't he and, and yeah. went off to China and whatnot. but this is the thing I know quite a lot of the fans would actually like Steven Gerrard um, but you know under the current conditions there's no way you'd leave an easy job like Rangers oh no without a doubt I mean I always have the thinking that he's he's waiting, waiting it out at Rangers for 
saying that Jurgen Klopp leaves Liverpool and we could see that happen. I mean, that, that will that will inevitably happen one day, won't it? But... Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, again, there's there's a lot of managers sort of floating in and around Europe that are extremely talent, talented, you know, that could go in there and do a fantastic job for a few years and mm. definitely push them back up the table. But again, it's all, it's all a bit of a guessing game at the moment, depending on what happens. But yeah, um, I mean, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's all I've got anyway. Um, for today, it's it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you very much for taking the time out of your night. No, no, thank you for inviting me on. It's uh, yeah, it's all good. Brilliant. Well, as you say, that is a wrap for episode one of the club profile. We will be ne- back next week, in which we'll delve into Barcelona. That should be a fun one. And uh, from Newcastle to Barcelona, wow. Similar circumstances at the moment, mate. Trust me. Well, yeah, I remember when we beat them in the Champions League for uh, Tino Espria hat trick. Oh, what a time! Unbelievable, isn't it? But yeah, it's crazy, crazy situations that um, you know a lot of clubs at the moment throughout Europe, and you know, we certainly won't be short of ideas over the next few weeks and months. But yeah, um, that is me anyway for today. Uh, thank you all, listeners, for for tuning in. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again soon. Again, thank you to Sam for taking the time. And hopefully we'll, we'll get him back on one day. So cheers, mate. Cheers.